Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and if you are brand new to this show, the show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. Today we brought on a very special guest, none other than the one and only Ruben Bressler from the Magic Mike's podcast and also from the D&D world, the Ravnica story, the Broken Pack. Uh, I was happy to have him on. We talked a lot about magic and being a content creator. Talked a little bit about D&D. <clears throat> and then just really diving more into his life and what it's been like throughout his many, many years of magic content creation and a lot more. Um, we do plan on bringing Ruben back for another kind of guest interview on the RPG Companion podcast to really dive deep into D&D and being a dungeon master and all that other kind of good jazz. Uh, before we begin, uh, let's get one quick ad out of the way. Uh, this show is brought to you by LegitMTG.com. LegitMTG.com is the place to buy your Magic Singles and Sealed product. Any order over $2 or more has free shipping at LegitMTG.com. All right, so without further ado, here is Ruben Bressler. All right, so yeah, here we go. Uh, Zuby here, and I've got Ruben Bressler, none other than one of the co-hosts of Magic Mike's, and also your D and D show as well. Too. Oh, I'm gonna be so terrible at remembering that the Broken Pack. The Broken Pack. That, oh, I got it first. First try. That's all right. Um, I will be honest. I've only seen maybe the first two episodes of it. I haven't cool. seen hey, all of you it. You know, live <laughs> streamed Dungeons and Dragons is not for everybody. Yeah, um, it's. I, I will admit. As much as I love D&D, I have a hard time watching actual play shows. It's to me, it's not the same for me. Sure. It absolutely isn't the same. And, and it's it's, uh, you know, it's it's a niche hobby and it takes a long time. I mean, each of our episodes are three hours, so I don't yeah. fault you, but I appreciate the effort. Yes, yes. I, I did try because the thing that got me to it was, of course, it it came out around the time that Guild's Master Guide to Ravnica came out. Yes. So it's we were, we were the show that launched Guildmaster's Guide. We got the book a couple that, months. That's before. right. That's right. That's right. So, um, yeah. I freaking love that. That's been one of my favorite source books that have come out recently. It's been um, I, I read that thing. I've read that thing like two or three times by now, like head yeah. from cover to cover. To set, like as a setting document, it really blazed a trail in what a setting document could be. Yes. Uh, and I'm yes. looking forward to more stuff like that. They they need to because I know Wizards tried with the plane shift guides with Kaladesh, Amonkhet, and all that, and they were a good attempt at it. That they, they were okay, decent. But when they did the Guild's Master Guide to Ravnica, I'm like, they need to do this for almost all the popular planes. Oh like, yeah, they need Innistrad, Dominaria, all of that. Well, even for the Dungeons and Dragons planes, I would really like to have yes. a Ravnica style source book just for the Forgotten Realms or just for Sharn. Or just for Kren. the city of doors, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it really revolutionized a lot. Yeah, it's. I've been. I, I loved it. It's. I'm excited to where we're going with D and D, but I, I don't want to get too much into D and D. I've got to because I sure. can talk about this that. This is forever. a Magic the Gathering podcast, from what I understand. Maybe, maybe it is. It's. I, I bring on Magic the Gathering personalities, and we talk about whatever the heck. So, I guess. You know, most people are probably familiar with who you are, but in case anyone out there who isn't, um, if you just want to introduce yourself and what you're known for and what you do, I'd, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, hi, everybody. My name's Ruben Bressler, better known on the internet as Mox Ruby. Uh, I am M O X R E U B Y everywhere that fine social medias are sold. 
Um, I am primarily known these days as one of the co-hosts of the Magic Mike's podcast, the weekly news show that live streams on Twitch every Wednesday night and then is uh, put on YouTube and iTunes and everywhere uh, later thereafter with my co-hosts Evan Irwin and Aaron Campbell. Uh, previous to that, I was uh, uh, the video coverage and content coordinator for Star City Games for a period of time, uh, live tournament reporter, um, sideboard interviewer, and live coverage commentator. Previous to that, I was uh, a writer for Star City Games and TCG Player and various other outlets. I was one of the first people to be making uh, YouTube content surrounding Magic the Gathering about 11 years ago at this point. Oh, wow. Uh, back when I was in college and had a great ponytail in my premiere <laughs> uh, <laughs> episode uh, where, I, where I was doing a future site preview show. Uh, is with that Nick still... Miller, who still works at uh, uh, Star City Games. Yeah, that's episode 49 of The Magic Show. So that is um, up on the internet somewhere? Oh, for, it is, absolutely. Oh, and I'm I think my name is still wrong in the, YouTube, in the Star City Games article, um, which is kind <laughs> of hilarious. Um, and I've been playing competitive Magic since I was 12 years old. I used to play on the JSS. Uh, I have a couple of finishes, but mostly I'm known as a talking head. Um, and these days, uh, I'm one of the flag bearers for the crossover between Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I am the dungeon master and creator of Ravnica the Broken Pact, the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica show on the official D&D Twitch channel, uh, also available on YouTube and iTunes. Uh, two seasons and two specials of which are available online. We're about to launch another Dungeons and Dragons show with my Magic Mike's co-hosts called Mike's and Magic, which will be a four-part adventure where I will take Aaron and Evan's characters uh, through uh, some, some Ravnica shenanigans. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I saw that announcement um, that you did just today for Magic and Mike's, or Magic Mike's, I mean. Right, Mike's and Magic <laughs> yeah. on Magic Mike's, yeah. yeah. Mike's it's it's going to be a yeah. ton of fun, and I'm really excited with the, the trailer, or the preview um, opening yeah. trailer thing is really exciting, too. No, it's cool. It's... um. Yeah, that's, um, oh God, just what I was, like we said, like in a minute ago was just the great, you know, meld and the, the just, th this has been like a long time coming with magic, right? With them sure. trying to really meld magic and D and D. And then, you know, we got to see, I saw your preview card for bag of holding for M20. And that was just, you know, I, I when I first saw the card spoiled, I'm like, oh my god, that's freaking awesome. And then I saw your little skit, I'm like, oh, this is they 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 need more of that. We need a Forgotten Realms magic set. Yeah, it, it, I would love that. I think that it's been a long time coming. Uh, if they ever come out with portable hole or magic missile on a magic card, um, <laughs> send them my way. There aren't there aren't a ton of us. I mean, uh, I came from Magic and started making D and D. There is yeah. obviously Adam Coble, uh, Skinny Ghost, who more came from role playing games into Magic, but is is you know is also an amalgamation thereof. And then there's the Loading Ready Run folks. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of a a, 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 um, a cadre of us, but uh, we're few and far between. So I'm I'm hopeful yeah. for the future, and I. It's weird to not cross those streams, and they finally did it with Ravnica, and uh, I'm hoping for more. Yeah, I mean, just like what Richard Garfield intended for Magic to be played between D&D sessions and all, I mean, that's what that's what my friends and I used to do, right? Like, we would, you know, gather around, play some casual game of Magic right before we play, you know, 10 hours of D&D. 
right? That, right. that was during my college days, and it was um, that's just how I always played too. And then you know, I got the magic bug. I've been doing magic content creation for since 2014. You know, start off with articles similar to you, and then doing this podcast for three years now. But um, no, that's cool. It's um, I didn't re- I didn't realize you go that far back in content creation, and um, so you've been around for a while, man. It's been um, you've seen you've seen the landscape definitely change a lot. Absolutely, yeah. When I when I first started playing the, uh, I was writing for well, when I first started writing, I started writing for a long defunct website now. Uh, called Londis.com, um, who, where Bill Stark was the editor. Um, I believe a very young, maybe 19-year-old uh, uh, Nick Miller was writing there as well. Lots of folks um, got their start. And then I moved on to the TCG Player blogs. Um, yeah, I've been doing it a long time. And do you see yourself stopping anytime soon? No. I mean, at this point, magic is so indelible to who I am and where I come from that to change that would be really altering the foundations. It would take something um, pretty spectacular at this point for me to cut off magic from my life entirely. I will say that I don't play nearly as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, these days, my day job, I'm a freelancer, and I that which means that I have you know six bosses. Um, <laughs> And one of them is magic related, which is magic mics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really how I stay involved. And I play a lot of arena. Um, but I haven't been to, I think I've been to two magic events this year, plus a pre-release earlier in the year. And I'm only planning on going to one magic fest for the rest of this year. So the number of tournaments I get to attend live has really gone down. Now, with that said, I'm going to Gen Con and I might be going to things like PAX West and TwitchCon um, in different capacities. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, the only live event that I'm planning on going to is Phoenix later in the year. So. Oh, that sounds fun, though. Um, yeah. where, where are you stationed at right now? So I live in Encino, California right okay. now. Okay. Um, I moved here last year, uh, coming up on a year now. Uh, I lived in Las Vegas for the previous five years um, and then was in Roanoke, Virginia when I was working for Star City Games. Okay, awesome. Yeah, you probably, I mean, I know you know, you know my good buddy John Dunning. Um, yes. From They Said, We Said. He's a really good buddy of mine. We do the 10 Street Hooligans every week now. I still I still have, I think I still have it on my shelf here. Uh, it's Ooh. somewhere. I have his winning um, Best Small Audience Award. Oh, okay. Somewhere on my shelf. I don't oh, know oh, if oh, the if little envelope. The envelope. Oh, the I envelope. Yeah. His award. Yeah. Oh, that. that's right. You did. I, yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'll have to give that to him at some point because I still have that. Yeah. Now, how, how long have you known John for? Did you meet him in Las Vegas? Or? I met him in Las Vegas. I've not okay. known him very long. Okay. Um, but uh, but we happened to both be in Vegas, and so I just decided that it would be easier instead of doing a Skype call to just go over to his house and do yeah. the episode there, um, which apparently hadn't been done before. So I got to be the first in studio <laughs> they said guest, uh, which was a ton of fun. Yeah, no, we're we're trying to. So now that we added, I don't know if you know Pixie Kitten plays. Um, I am aware. I have not met Pixie yeah. Kitten. Yeah, I mean, well, technically, I haven't met her either, but we're we're all try. So we've added her to the Ten Street Hooligans cast. So there's five of us now um, nice. that we're doing weekly, and we're all trying to schedule somewhere that we can all meet together to do sort of one 
sort of live show but with all of us like scattered throughout the country it's kind of hard but one thing that we did start doing was i don't know if you've seen is we also started doing a monthly D stream where i dm them i did see that yeah and um it's pretty similar to mike's and magic to where none of them have ever really played D except for one of them who plays it just as bad as much as probably we do um so it's it's pretty funny because it's almost like wrangling cats where i have to like really tell them like how to play and this is what you got to do for ability checks and this is how you cast your which i really like i like that dynamic a lot um especially i think it's going to work really well for mics and magic because there's only two of them so i only have to wrangle two cats (laughs) Um, and we're trying to keep those to three hour episodes um and i think that we'll be able to do that pretty easily uh with just the three of us so yeah, it's it's a lot more fun with newer players, I feel, ones who aren't so ingrained in all the rules and all the minutiae of it because they I feel they're able to express themselves a little bit better. They they definitely get into their character more too. Yes. It's like, I like having one brand new person, but I also like having a coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I like having somebody who knows the the oh, yeah, yeah. the ins and outs of what dungeon like is self aware as a Dungeons and Dragons character. Yeah. Yeah. It's no. having a mix of both is good. Oh yeah, it's fun. Um, like I, said, uh, I just want to pick your brain about D and D, but no, 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 magic. Um, magic. Cause no, I told you I want to get you on my other like sort of companion podcast, RPG companion, which mm. that will come at a later date. I've just got to sure. schedule it. Um, I'm traveling so much the next couple weeks, and it's I'm gonna be so busy. So this is like my only night really that I'm glad I'm glad you said yes for tonight because this is I'm so busy like the next. Absolutely, I'm few glad weeks. it works out. Yeah, man. Um, so, like you say, you've been doing it for a long time now. Um, you've been on Magic Mike's. Magic Mike's has been going on for how long now? This is we're coming up on four years. Um, actually, it might have just happened four years. I think it's four years, maybe in like a week or two. Um, we've been doing it. We uh, the first episode was La- uh, I was in Grand Prix Las Vegas. The f- first, no, the second Grand Prix okay. Las Vegas. So, yeah, and then we did a couple of live shows at other previous Vegases. Usually that's where the anniversary occurs, but we've been going strong for, uh, you know, over 200 episodes, I think, at this point. So what's that really been like for you in terms of what's the journey been like for that, you know, like the ups and downs and, you know, because, I mean, four years is a long time, especially when you have two co-hosts and it's always, you know, especially in the beginning was probably maybe it was tough to get them together and sort of sure. sort of get that uh, chemistry together. So what's that been like? Yeah, I mean, we we struck gold, I think, with what we we managed to put together. It's not it's not every trio that is able to uh, cohese like the way like be cohesive the way that we have. Um, this was a brainchild of Evan Irwin. Um, he was itching to do something in the MTG news related realm. Yeah. And, uh, he, he's apparently as the story goes, I was his first call and he said, Hey, do you want to do a podcast and find a third co-host? And I said, no, um, <laughs> because Evan, this is, this is some Evan and Ruben history. Evan fired me from star city games. Oh, uh, he shit. was, the, he was my boss and he is the reason why I was, or was the reason why I was no longer there. And so I was still, you know, uh, I still held a grudge about that. But I realized, you know, lots of things happened. We all grew up. We all changed. I realized that me leaving SCG was actually for the best for me for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, He wasn't there anymore at the time. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'll give it a shot. 
who should we get to be our co-hosts? And we went through a couple of ideas, um, and Aaron was just the natural fit. Uh, Aaron had had just finished doing the deck tease, um, and we really thought that that was going to be the best uh, 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 fit, and it worked like a charm. And we said, "All right, we're going to start. We, we're going to do some pre-planning. We'll do. We'll decide what we want the show to be, how we want to do it." We did about a month of that, and they said, "All right, we'll do six episodes. We'll do a weekly episode every for six weeks, and then at that point, we'll see if it's worth continuing." By the end of the sixth episode, it was like on everybody's schedule. It was on enough people's weekly required listening schedule that we were like, this is something we have to keep doing. So it helped that Aaron, Evan, and I were both all, were all three of us already um, deeply ingrained in magic culture. We all had big followings. Everyone already knew who the three of us were. And so it was sort of like this super group kind of podcast even from the beginning even though now we're all three best known for magic mics it wasn't that way at the time yeah. yeah um and uh yeah i mean it's it took off you know it's it's not a usual thing for a podcast like ours to take off um there just isn't a lot of non-live play live streamed content out there um you know and we're consistently in the top five of the of the magic channel twitch streams when we're streaming uh live which is huge you know it took us yeah that, that is uh, e even now that's huge especially absolutely. with arena yeah i mean you know we I, I go to the channel when when we're streaming live on wednesday nights and you know it's like four big names and then us it's pretty yeah. it's pretty great um so so I I'm super proud of what we've managed to put together. Obviously we have sponsors and we have a very successful Patreon and we put on Kickstarters every 6 months to do set reviews and we do our top 10s and now we're doing this Mike's and Magic thing and it just keeps building and building and building and it doesn't show any signs of slowing down uh really. Um we we're just you know we're now our path our, we're trying to figure out how to put more hours per month on Twitch. <laughs> so that we can actually get partner because uh, yeah. right now we're affiliate because mm -hmm. the only thing we're short on is literally the number of hours because we only stream like an hour and a half a week so yeah yeah it's pretty tough so once we what but we're going to be doing the the three hours for the D, D show and i streamed on twitch rivals recently um and we do uh, a couple of live stream stuff every once in a while so we're hoping that it's going to pick up yeah so did you um you know, did you guys start off as a live show? We did at first. Okay. Yeah, we our our the first thing was we were a live show. Now originally we actually streamed to both Twitch and YouTube, um, but then when we got affiliate status, we had to stop live streaming to YouTube and just post the videos later. Um, uh, I see. Which was uh, which was unfortunate. We had a good, pretty good following on live YouTube views as well. Um, so. That was unfortunate that we had to lose that, but uh, you know we've we've continued strong with with just the Twitch. Yeah, I mean, well, Twitch is really the place you want to be anyway when you're live streaming because you're gonna definitely hope hopefully attract more views that way anyway because that's where people are gonna go if they want to watch magic content. It's, I mean, I know YouTube gaming tried to take off, but mm, yeah. not really. It's I mean, the numbers bear out that we, but just by sheer viewers. We would certainly have more viewers if we streamed to both. Oh, yeah. But yeah. streaming to both means that we aren't affiliate. 
So yeah. the other benefits of having subscribers and things like that uh, uh, would not get to happen. So it's uh, we had to bite the bullet and pull the trigger on that mm, two years ago at this point. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's been great ever since. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so has there ever been a time during Magic Mike's lifetime where you didn't think it was going to continue like just maybe some of you didn't have it in you or someone was maybe feeling a different way where oh, I don't know if I can go on or something like that. And I don't, hmm. and, and I'm not really trying to get in like behind the scenes drama or no, some of good. you had, you know, conflicts or something, but I don't know where you just thought the show just wasn't going to continue. I, I don't think so. I don't think there's ever been a time where I was like, I'm so sick and tired of these MF and people or that any of them have been or felt that way. Um, there have certainly been strained relationship times, um, my fault included. Um, but it was never a situation where we were like, I can't do it this week. I can't with these people yeah. this, this week. Um, there, I, I don't think that that's ever occurred. We've had to delay episodes for life things. Yeah, yeah. But I can't think of a time when any of us thought, no, we're done. We're done with Magic Mike's. This has run its course. Um, and that's unique for a four-year podcast to something that, like ours that really hasn't changed much from how we started to where it is now, but it still feels fresh and new. It still feels exciting and still feels relevant. Um, we're not just rehashing. It, just, it, it, it definitely feels like it could go on forever if we wanted it to no and that's good to hear it's i, I guess i kind of understand what you're t talking about because with magic with zuby it's pretty much i'm doing everything behind the scenes i'm the one doing it all but with 10 street hooligans it's um we we all mesh we all get along really well both in camera and behind camera and all that stuff it's we we know all about each other and all that you know because we talk on a daily basis sometimes i talk more to them than i do my own wife and kids sure <laughs> but um that's and there's been a time there have been many yeah. times in my life where i didn't have friends really yeah um you know i moved to a new city and i didn't have anybody to hang out with but every wednesday i could talk with my friends aaron and evan yeah um and, and i think know. that i think that definitely helps when you have co-hosts like that that you get along with so well and you know dur during the show is awesome but then of course when the lights are off you can you know still chit chat a little bit after the show and absolutely you know and it, it gets i'm sure for you you're excited every wednesday when it comes oh yeah 100 percent. i want i want my i want their opinions i do consider them not just friends but people who will give me good advice like people that i trust to yeah. check in on me if I, you know, I think it's no secret. I, I share my mental outlook and my mental health issues on, on my social media all the time. They mm -hmm. check in with me all the time and just to make sure that I'm okay. Um, cause I, I suffer from, uh, you know, everything that you could, you know, I have imposter syndrome, I have, uh, anxiety, I get panic attacks, like all that kind of stuff. And so they just, you know, Ruben, are you doing okay? Like you seem a little stressed on on whatever, and so the checking in is really helpful as well. Um, you know, I I don't foresee it ever going away. But then again, when I was the co-host of the In Contention podcast, um, originally with Matt Cranstuber and Sam Stoddard, before Sam mm -hmm. Stoddard went to Wizards of the Coast, yeah. later replaced by Joey Pasco, I didn't foresee that really ending either. 
Um, but, you know, it ran its course and real life got in the way. And so it's possible that things like real life get in the way or of course, one of yeah. us gets hired by wizards. You know, the podcast is is uh, not long for this world. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, well, like you said, life life happens. So one of the things I also want to discuss with you, you've been in the game for a long time now. Um and while I haven't been in the content creation game as long as you have, but this past year I have seen a major shift in terms of, I guess maybe just the way Wizards, how do I put it? Like, or I guess I've seen a major shift in the way content creation is going for Magic. Mm. Um, a lot of it has become more live streaming more than ever because of Arena. For sure. And just, and I feel like, you know, especially um, what was it? This this Magic Celebrity Cup or something? And I see all yeah. the quote unquote Magic celebrities. I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. Like, I see one or well, two names for that, that I recognize specifically for the Magic Celebrity Cup specifically. That is a European centric yeah, event. Yeah, yeah, and, and I. And I always like to try to pride myself, like be, like before this whole arena craze, is I, I would try to at least have a really good estimation of who's who in the magic content creation scene. At least, even if I'm not familiar, completely familiar with their work, I try to know at least something of like, okay, oh, this is a streamer, this is a podcaster, this is a right. YouTuber, whatever it may be, cosplayer. Um, and it's and especially lately when I see all these, you know, people getting picked up by the streaming teams and some of the people that got inv invited to the last Mythic Invitational, I'm like, I, I, I can't keep up, man. It, this scene is like just changing so fast for me. What are some of your thoughts on that? Do you notice that? I mean, do, do oh, you, absolutely. Do, are, I do you all get worried like, oh, no, we're going to be left in the dust if we don't? Oh, of course. I'm yeah. a dinosaur. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I've been back in my day. I wrote articles and like, yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And but I've also seen it shift from primarily to from blogs to articles to videos back to articles to streaming. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's an ebb and flow, and there's always going to be room for all of them. Oh, yeah. you know, even when. YouTube content was at its peak, which is, I mean, it's still relatively up up there in terms of the most important and most uh, consumed way. People still read articles. People yeah. still read blogs. Like, people still want the message boards. You know, it, it, those, those are still there for the people that want to read them. Um, so I don't see it going away. I certainly think that there are fewer seats at the table uh, for that. But... Um, specifically for Magic Mike's, I don't think that I am worried that we're going to be usurped by another uh, three-host weekly live talk show. Um, well, yeah, because you guys are in more of a unique position compared right. to maybe we've some seen, others. We've seen attempts at what we are able to produce come and go uh, a couple of times, um, and it just it just hasn't stuck. And so we're we're you know not resting on our laurels. We want to keep making cool stuff, but. Uh, you know what we what we have is pretty special there in terms of the shift in focus from of the various forms of content a hundred percent streaming is number one big dog right now um the shift that magic the gathering and wizards of the coast and hasbro made from the live game to arena is is not leaving live in the dust yeah but yeah. arena's taking precedent 
And it is making so much money, and it is so successful, and the number one way to consume it is via streams, that it only makes sense that that is the popular way to consume magic these days, is as an esport or as a casual viewing uh, uh, situation. They followed the path that was laid out by Hearthstone. Hearthstone, of course, following the path that was laid out by Magic with collectible card games. Mm -hmm. And has sort of springboarded into that and you see it in the sheer number of people that are streaming magic i think that there will always be room for podcasts because long car rides demand listening right <laughs> long car rides yes. demand to listen to something along the way and when you're driving when you're driving from salt lake city to phoenix you don't always have radio and in those gaps you need to listen to the 10 street hooligans right yeah. so it's uh, you, you, you download all your podcasts and you listen to them. That's just how it works. Uh, I think that there will always be room for articles. There's always going to be idle readership. I think that there's always going to be streaming now because people just want to have that on in the background while they're doing whatever it is they're doing. And I always think that there's going to be room for a news show. Whether it takes our form or not, I think that a news show should be live because you know it, it immediately starts to decay um, yeah. once once it's on the air. You know, nobody goes back and watches old episodes of The Daily Show. Nobody goes back and watches mm. old episodes of Magic Mike's um, after the week that they've aired. Usually, unless they're looking for something specific. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, looking for a clip from an old Colbert Report or something. It's not evergreen content. But not all art needs to be evergreen content. True. It's supposed to decay, right? Ice sculptures are supposed to melt. Bananas are <laughs> supposed to get squishy and 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 turn brown. Um, stand-up comedy specials should get dated. And, yeah, for sure. And stuff like this should not all be evergreen. So I don't think it's going to get... I don't think that what we create will get old in the sense that people will be like, oh, that's an artifact of a former time. Well, no, and, and I like that thought of it, and I kind of agree, especially when it comes to podcasts, because that's and it's pretty much what I do now, just podcasting. And mm -hmm. um, But, yeah, it, and, that, and like I said, I always like hearing other people's perspectives of that because some of the other people I talked to and and that that was something I mentioned right as soon as arena was coming in you know the closed beta open beta that hey if we don't adopt this then you're going to be left in the dust especially people whose sort of primary thing when they make our deck techs or gameplay videos and you know stuff like that it's like yeah if you don't adopt to arena you're gonna be you're done like and as much as great as Magic Online can be, it's not where the viewership's going to go. It's going to be Arena is going to be sure. the number one. But there's always going to be an audience for online too. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the Pauper uh, Premier League is going to is is coming up right here soon. Anytime anyone wants to watch Modern or Legacy or Vintage, the, mm -hmm. uh, you can't play Commander on Arena. So not yet. <laughs> it's always going to be there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's still going to be there. I'm just talking about more in terms of if you want more eyes, because, you know, sure. especially smaller content creators and people like myself, we always want to grow, have more people come and watch us. And it's, you know, a, a lot of times you got to sort of get with the times, essentially, if what you're doing isn't working, then you got to go and reassess, you know, what you're doing. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to bring up was... Um, you know, have you all thought of 
doing more than just a weekly news show? I mean, I, I know you mentioned Mike's and Magics and some right. other, but is because the what I have noticed lately, and maybe it's just because the past few months have just seemed so crazy for me, but I feel like there's more and more magic news dropping almost every day at this point. It's I know it, it, it feels, does. It does feel like it's more uh, thick with news. Yeah. Um, so we do our weekly top tens, mm-hmm. which is a uh, which is which are on CoolStuffInc.com, um, and we've done about ninety of those at this point over the past two years, and we're going to take a break to do Mike's and Magic, uh, and then we have our one live weekly show. We've not really entertained the thought of adding anything on top of that. We uh, each of the of the three of us do a uh, Patreon appreciation stream every month, mm-hmm. where. Um, you know, I will stream for a number of minutes equivalent to the number of patrons we have. Uh, and then Evan will do the same and then Aaron will do the same. We're coming up on four hours, which is a lot of patrons, but also a lot of streaming magic, uh, <laughs> online. Um, but beyond that, no, I don't think we've, we've really talked about adding a third show. It is a huge time commitment oh, yeah. already asking for our Thursday, our Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights, um, to add another show would be pretty big. It would at that point it's becoming like an actual job and we'd have to yeah. budget our time and our money similarly. Um, and I don't think that we plan on becoming something like Loading Ready Run or or Good Luck High Five where we have our own studio um, and we are you know a business or anything like that. I don't think that that's in our in the in the cards. I could be wrong. Who knows? Maybe I'm just not. Maybe I'm looking a gift horse in the mouth. Maybe we should be making magicmikes.com right um and 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 be a content house of some kind but uh but yeah i don't i don't think that as our current schedules allow that a third show a third weekly show would be coming up yeah because doesn't evan still have a lot of responsibilities with cool stuff inc still oh absolutely he's he's the marketing director yeah that's right title for coolstuffinc.com uh, Aaron is a, a bank employee, full time job, uh, and oh, I'm right. yeah. and I'm yeah. full and I'm full time freelance for a number of masters um, across a variety of fields. So uh, yeah, right now I'm the most flexible in terms of stuff because I'm freelance, so I can yeah. sort of move stuff around. They both have day jobs. They both got to be in the office from this time to this time on this day to this day. So uh, they're they're not nearly as footloose and fancy free as I am. Well, that's um that's something. No, that's that's cool. Um, yeah, it's um one of the things that I have found personally um that's tough with magic content creation is just my geography where my location is at because I almost get a little jealous of like John since he's over in Port or uh, Seattle now in Washington mm. where it's like oh you've got all those awesome content creators over there you know they're just right down the street from you essentially and it's like here I am in Florida it's like I know Evan Irwin is not too far from me and then I know there's what Alpha Investments and I can't think of anyone else that's even big around here sure um but it's sort of like it feels sort of dry in terms off in your of, own little island. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, f- fortunately, uh, through the advent of the internet, we can have this conversation oh, over yeah, sure. over uh, over a live messaging service, and there's lots of that. Being in Los Angeles, I am able to take great advantage of the television and film community yeah. uh, that is here, and a number of them, 
that I've met play Magic. A number of folks that I know through the role-playing game stream scene play Magic. Um, and so uh, that it's a bit of a unique microcosm uh, ecosystem here in Los Angeles. And Seattle has its own unique microcosm ecosystem as well. Other major cities... You know, they're big, and so they're going to have the relative number of people in them. And so – and being in Florida means you're isolated geographically. Yeah. So you're not going to have access like someone in Columbus, Ohio or or Washington, D.C. is going to have theoretically. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's not like they're that high ahead of you in terms of access. So – no, well, you know, like I said, I've said many At least times. That's my be- opinion. Yeah, like I said many times before, it's like I'd love to be able to do, not not that I don't like doing these kind of interviews, right? But I'd love to be able to do like face to face interviews and all that stuff, and sure. like be able to just go somewhere, drive somewhere, and just sit and talk with people. But it's like well, shit, I'd have to like fly out <laughs> everywhere, or you know, it's just tough sometimes. But the um one thing I also want to ask about was. And I, I know how much you are working with wizards in terms of D and D, and do do you or just Magic Mike's do any work with wizards right now? I mean, besides preview cards and all that stuff, is there anything else that you all do or have done working with wizards and relating to Magic? Uh, not full time. I mean, I the only work I've done with wizards of the coast is in a contractor capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that that's the same with Evan and Aaron. Uh, none of us have ever signed and by contractor, not even signed a contract. I've done like, uh, hosted gigs at Twitch or hosting, uh, arena games at TwitchCon, for example, okay. or, uh, done the, uh, streamer access previewed events, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. previewed cards, and those aren't even uh, um, uh, contractor positions, um, you know. So uh, as of this moment, the only contractor position I have with Wizards of the Coast is Dungeons and Dragons related. Okay. Everything else is um, is uh, is by our own dime and by our own elbow grease. So it's been mainly like preview card streamer events, and you mm-hmm. mentioned the TwitchCon as well too. Okay. Yeah. Just just like all those kind of connections. Nothing nothing t- a ton. Not a ton of official. Wizards of the Coast, anything. Um, I do know that employees uh, of, of Wizards watch the show and are fans of the show. We have uh, the the show's YouTube video is put up on the homepage um, every once in a while, as yeah. are the top tens featured every once in a while. Um, but no, we're a, we're a Cool Stuff, Inc. partnered program. Uh, they're one of the two major sponsors, the other being CardHoarder.com. Um, and so Cool Stuff Inc. hosts all of the uh, the VODs of the live show and the top tens. No, that's and Wizards cool. of the Coast is kind of hands-off. So have you worked with other tournament organizers uh, with Magic Mics? At, didn't you all do like a live Magic Mics podcast at, at, with Channel Fireball last yeah, year? Yeah, so or? we did uh, – we've done two live Magic Mics at – uh, at Grand Prix Las Vegas presented by ChannelFireball.com as panels at the panel stage yeah. where we just hosted an episode of our podcast live from the stage and took some audience questions and talked about the news of the week. Um, we did a couple of those. Um, and uh, and yeah, we've, we've all been at the same event a couple of times and um, notified 
the hosts of those events that we were all there at the same time. Um, and and uh, sometimes it's in, a, in an official capacity. It's like, hey, come meet the Magic Mics. But most of the time, it's just we're just there. Um, and so the only two official events, I think, were those two Grand Prix. And do you have any plans for this year for Vegas or? So I don't. Uh, I am actually going to be busy that weekend, as is Evan, um, uh, with with uh, with some with for me personally, uh, I will be reporting on a poker tournament um, somewhere somewhere in the United States, somewhere in the Midwest. Uh, Erin will be at Grand Prix Las Vegas, however, uh, and so she'll be able to uh, to sign all of your Magic Mike's tokens and whatnot. (laughs) So you is that another thing? One of your passions, poker? Yes. So after uh, Star City Games uh, employment ended, I moved to Las Vegas and retook up playing poker uh, professionally. Um, and I did that. I've done that for a large portion of my adult life. Um, during college, I played a lot online, and that really helped pay my uh, bills, my student loan bills. Mm-hmm. After uh, after Star City Games ended. I started playing full-time in Las Vegas until other opportunities arose, and I decided to move to L.A. But I've been playing poker. It's a passion of mine as a hobby. Um, I'm not sure I would love to go back to it full-time. It is a very stressful existence. Um, Even though the pay is good, if you're good at it, it is a huge drain on your brain. So I love poker, and I love writing about poker, and I love reporting in general, as I've done so now for multiple games. Um, but, uh, but yeah, poker's, poker's, a, a big part of my adult life and magic really helps with poker and vice versa. You know, it's a, it's a really good crossover skill set. So how good are you at poker? It, this is coming from someone who, you know, knows how to play it, but just sure. doesn't really game. know the ins and outs of it. I've got some game. I'm nowhere near the level that other notable, uh, professional magic players like Eric Froelich are. Yeah. Um, but I was able to sustain myself with full-time employment grinding, uh, you know, 40 hours a week at, you know, 20, 25 bucks an hour. Um, and when you walk into the casino and are able to expect to make money, that's a good feeling. Um, and so, uh, so that was my, that was my life for a long time. Um, you know, it has its ups and downs and you go on swings, you know, you can't, it's the only job in the world where you go to it, do everything right. And sometimes come home with less money. (laughs) So that's, that's awful. But, Oh man. But if you can do it and you can handle the swings, it's a, it's a good time. What's like one of your worst poker stories that you have? Like what's like maybe or worst or one of the craziest or maybe maybe you played against some crazy person at a casino or I mean, everybody has crazy stories. I when I stopped playing, I was on the end of a three month downswing. And one of the last hands I played, I lost fifteen hundred dollars on a hand that I was around ninety four percent to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, all right, can't take it anymore and left. Um, and, uh, and that was kind of rough. Uh, but you gotta be able to handle those kind of swings because yeah. if you win 96% of the time, you're going to lose 4% of the time. And over an infinite number of hands, you're going to see a lot of those. So, uh, it, it's just all part of the game. Um, there have been plenty of crazy things that have happened in poker rooms and, and in poker games across, uh, across my history. But, uh, that one kind of stings and still, I still think about that one. Is there any person that stands out that 
you know, I, I don't know, you, they felt crazy or I don't know, or maybe you felt like they were going to harm you or anything like that or because you were not not or... not in my career. I mostly I haven't played in many back rooms. You know, I mostly play uh, underneath a lot of casino cameras. And so I've never, <laughs> I've never felt worried for my life uh, uh, or my person. In, oh, that's uh, in good, any at least. Those. Yeah. So, well, that's good. You didn't have to worry about finding yourself in the desert one night and <laughs> going in the back right. back alley somewhere. That's good. Um, so that's interesting with poker. Um, I'm actually going to be trying to go to Vegas again, hopefully sometime this year. Um, for with my wife and I celebrating 10 years married and I have to apologize to her for that a lot of times. Um, and, um, so it's, and she is a poker fiend. It's mm. like, she's just, I, I, I'm almost a little worried because, you know, we have a casino here in Tampa, uh, the hard rock cafe, and she's been to that plenty of times, but it's, she's never been to Vegas and I get, not that I think she's going to get addicted to gambling or whatever. It's just, I know how she can be. She can just like smell the blood or something. Right. And, and when you go on vacation, great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I used to work vacationers into my, my pitch of basically like, you know, when someone goes on vacation, they budget $500 for blackjack, $500 for roulette and $500 yep. for me. <laughs> They're giving it to me at the poker table, and that was my mindset when I would when I would play, especially in Las Vegas. Um, and so, so, uh, so if you're there expecting to lose, then great. Oh, you know, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. We have we're gonna have a set budget for what we're planning on losing. But so when, when you mean vacationers like that, so what do you mean? Would you purposely try to find tables that you no. knew or? I mean, yeah. I wouldn't. I mean, table selection is a very important part of being mm -hmm. a, a professional gambler. You know, I'm not going to sit down at a table with five other people like me, right? If I have the choice of moving over a table and sitting down with one other person like me and yeah. seven other people who are drinking, you know, so that's you, you got to pick your spots for sure. So when you mean professional gambler, I, I guess sort of wrap my head around that. Are you were you hired by the casino to play games no. or or what it does that mean? How I, professional gambler means that I paid my bills with the money that I made playing poker. Okay, so you, I was so self-employed. Okay, okay, so you weren't paid by anyone. No. Okay, okay. J just wanted to clear that up because I wasn't sure, like, do casinos ever do stuff like that? Or they just always... Sure. Oh, they do? There are prop players that exist, mostly not in Las Vegas. Um, they do exist, though. Okay. So the, do so for people like that, do they get hired? They're hired by the casino. Do they get to keep the winnings or do they have to yeah. give X amount to the house? No, they, they, they keep the winnings. They get taxed like their employees. They get paid like their employees. Um, oh, that's interesting. And then they get to keep whatever they make as well or lose whatever they lose. So you being a professional gambler in Vegas, how does that work exactly? Like did, did you have a set schedule of yeah. like what, what, not, not only when you want to play, but like, okay, I'm going to, you know, the Luxor today. I'm going to MGM. I'm going to yep. Tropicana. I'm going to sure did. Caesars. And and also I would heavily research which casinos had the best uh, promotions. So what, what sure do you mean that by I, that? But exactly. So some casinos promotion. are like, if you play in our room for 40 hours this week, you get into this special invite only tournament. Or oh, if you play okay. this many hours in this casino, you get this many dollars or whatever. Um, so I would research those. Okay. To that, make sure that my dollar went further. 
That's very interesting. Um, l- let me ask you this, and maybe you know this. Um, I was told, because I was in Vegas last year, and um, I was told this, and it sounded pretty crazy, that you can actually, I guess, almost get like a, oh, what do they call it? Like a pay advance on your paycheck or something at a casino? Or, 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 or you, or, no, 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 no. It was if you take your paycheck to a casino, you'll get like some extra money or something if you I spend it. I have no it. idea about no? that. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that was a little bit strange when I heard that. I, I just wondered if you knew. Um, so was it mainly poker you primarily played? Oh, yeah. I only played poker. Okay. As I like to, as I like to tell my family, I don't gamble. I just play poker. <laughs> so what is it that you didn't want to go to the other games for? Is it you just didn't like them or it, there was just a lot more they're, variance they're and losses? games. If, if you play poker, you're playing against other players. Yeah. It's the only game where you're not playing against the casino. The casino doesn't care if I win or lose at poker. They want me to lose at the other games. Okay. So... Okay. I'm not, you know, the casino is going to get theirs regardless of what I'm doing at poker. In in any of the other games, I'm playing against the house. So poker is the only game where it's realistically probable that someone will make money. So what was the highest amount of money you ever bet? Bet? Yeah. Or put in the pot or can you? I probably may. I probably have gone all in for $4,000 at one point. Okay. With what I had on the table. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. all that I owned. I didn't oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I was not, you know, I was making a living. I wasn't getting rich playing poker, right? I was paying my bills. Yeah, you were just getting by then. Um, did you ever yeah. find yourself getting addicted to gam- to poker? Like, no. No? You never felt the no. need for I mean, I'm sure... You- I'm very lucky that I don't have at what I consider to be an addictive personality at all. Um... Like I, ha- I feel no need to go play poker ever really, other than it's my job that I'm going to go do it. Um, I don't feel the need to go get up and play right now, even though we're talking about it. So yeah. I, uh, I, f- I consider myself very lucky in that sense. No, that's really um, good. Cause it's like, I'm sure you being in Vegas, you saw all sorts of type of addicts oh, like that. Sure. Absolutely. It's, um, I, I can't imagine like I, I that's one, one thing I found myself because when I went to Vegas last year that was the first time I've been to Vegas since I over the age of 21 I've been there as a kid before um, and I was I was a little excited to gamble you know I did the blackjack you know slots and a um, little bit of poker and I realized I don't have the patience for it I get too bored too easily yeah for it. I that's don't. the biggest weakness is is you cannot get bored you have to sit there and focus on not doing stupid things yeah and that was that I don't see myself ever getting addicted to gambling because of that because it's just like nope I'm bored let's go do something else so um no that's um that's really interesting I, I guess I never I mean I guess it makes sense for people being professional gamblers like that or, or poker players and it's um yeah wow yeah so that that that's pretty interesting that you're able yeah. to just live by like that i mean did so what made you want to stop essentially or, or what made you stop and you know get out of vegas and yeah so it's a very stressful existence uh playing poker and i had sort of been waning away from doing it full time i enjoy mm-hmm. myself much more when it's supplementing my income as opposed to the entire job 
Um, so playing 10, 15 hours a week is ideal for me rather than 40. Right now I'm playing none. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'd like to play around 10 to 15 hours a week. And around that time, I uh, was coming up with the uh, crossover idea for Dungeons & Dragons with Magic mm-hmm. the Gathering. And I was putting together a show that was involving lots of people in the Magic community as a Skype show. Uh, a streamed show over, but but not in person. And by the time the fourth person was like, I can't do it, I'm too busy making magic content, I was like, all right, this isn't going to work. So I had already established a partnership with Saving Throw Show in Los Angeles, where they were going to hopefully be the, the studio that was going to air this show. And I said, look, this, this streamed Skype show isn't going to work. Let's put together a live show. I kind of want to move to Los Angeles anyway. It's been a long time coming. I went to school for English and film, so I should put my degrees to work. I should get into voice acting like I've always said I was going to. So I'm going to do this thing. Around this time, enough people had heard that I was putting this program together that I uh, got a call or or, previous to that happening, I was going to be a guest on Dragon Talk with Greg Tito, which is the Dungeons and Dragons project or Mm -hmm. a podcast. And I mentioned I was going to be in Seattle for Grand Prix Seattle last year and was like, hey, why don't I just come in and I do the show from there? And he was like, cool, great. About a week before Grand Prix Seattle uh, that I'm going to go up early for to be on Dragon Talk, Greg is like, hey, come into the office a couple hours early. I want to talk about something. I'm like, all right, cool. So I go into the office early, and I'm expecting to just hang out for a bit. And I walk into a conference room with Greg Tito and like four other employees, all with like notepads. And I'm like, "What's <laughs> happening? Am I in trouble? Am I and fired?" Like, right, exactly. Am I fired from this job I've never had? And they're like, "Tell us your plan." And I was like, "So I'm making. I want to make a crossover show between Magic: The Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons that I DM. It's live in studio. That's the plan." And they were like, "Cool, cool, 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 cool. We haven't announced this yet, but Ravnica's the fall set, and we're coming out with Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. How would you like to be the dungeon master for said program officially on Wizards of the Coast channel?" And I said, I picked my jaw up off the floor and I said, this is the best meeting that's ever happened. Um, Let's make that work. And bingo, bango, uh, I am preparing to move to L.A. as about two weeks before the first show is to air. So, you know, that's not, you know, the Broken Pact isn't my job it's not going to pay the bills but it is the impetus that forced me to move to la and that is why i'm here and why i kind of left the poker world a little bit behind no that's a really cool story that's um god yeah i I can see myself definitely being nerve-wracking seeing were were they all in suits or no 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 this was like folks you know about i think like blake was in the room uh, Greg Tito is just in there with his T-shirt yeah. and flannel. You know, like this was not an intimidating bunch, but the situation <laughs> was intimidating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. No, that, that's really cool, though, man. That's um, it's pretty exciting. So you've been like your career with content creation has really just been seems like a roller coaster. It's been um, it right now I feel like you're probably at a pretty high point right now. It's um, you've yeah, got a I'm lot of stuff happy. going on, and yeah. I have a pretty interesting niche in magic content creation. 
Um, and I'm, I'm happy with, with where I'm at. So what, what kind of advice do you have for people out there that are wanting to get into magic content creation starting out or, or they find themselves, you know, stuck like in a rut, like, okay, how, how do I, how do I get bigger? Like, what do I do and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. That's tough, man. That is, I get this question the most, I think. Um, and I don't have a good answer for you. I got very lucky a lot. Um, I happened to get spotted by Evan Irwin when I was making content, right? And he was like, that's someone who's worth pursuing. And so seven years ago, eight years ago, was like, that's a person I identify as someone I want to work with. And Evan got lucky in that he figured stuff out first. And, you know, I made the newsening, which was something that that the magic community really needed, like a comedy news program at that yeah. time, and it still kind of needs. Um but like that's that's the biggest thing I find is find your niche, not only something that you enjoy, but something that's unique to you, even if it's not something totally unique to the environment. Like there are a ton of competitive podcasts out there, uh, competitive oh, yeah. magic podcasts out there, but they're all unique in their own special ways. So mm -hmm. find the thing that you're most passionate about and pursue that. Um, try to brainstorm new ideas. Try to s figure out what is needed what's missing uh talk to people that don't play magic talk to your parents talk to your sister that hates magic or, or doesn't care about magic and say if you were in this subculture what would you be looking for in terms of videos to watch what would you what would draw your attention as someone who doesn't play magic to this is it weird comedy videos is it top 10 lists is it a panel show is it uh uh you know live play of games with expert commentary like what is it that that you would suggest and also take your expertise right i am a writer i am an english and film major who does voiceover and comedy where do i fit in well i do talk shows i do things that use my voice and use my writing right if you're a math guy do math articles do do a do a podcast do somebody called frank karsten like there's a niche <laughs> there for sure oh yeah for sure um yeah. if you're a history person investigate the history of magic and do something that ties into things from a long time ago if you're a psychologist if you're you know th that's an easy crossover right you can do interview stuff or you can just write about the psychology of the competitive atmosphere or any of that kind of stuff so there's so many avenues to pursue and tie in your own passions into content creation that, you know, if you're feeling stuck, take a step back and figure out what am I doing here, right? I'm not enjoying the stuff I'm making because it isn't central to who I am. How do I make what I'm doing central to who I am as a person? And then go from there. That's some good advice. I really like that. It's, um, it's, I mean, you guys have discussed on Magic Mike's when I wrote an article called The Other Side of Content Creation. Yeah. And it's, um, it's something that I feel is not discussed enough where people, you know, people, it's really easy to fall into that trap of looking at the Tolarian Community Colleges, the Magic Mike's, the Command Zones and be like, oh man, they've got it all figured out, right? Wow, to the, put us on that pedestal is pretty intimidating. But. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean, right? For someone yeah. who's just starting out, has no audience or or extremely small audience, they see and they're like, oh, how, how do we even do that? How do we get there? And they all think it's going to happen like that. 
Like it's going to be super yep. fast and it's, it's not, it's a grind. And then there's you, a famous, famous, there's a, there's a great quote from uh, a cosplayer who I, who's a, a friend of mine named Leo Camacho. Leo is a Disney cosplayer. He's like the only male Disney cosplayer. Um, you've probably seen him as Aladdin a lot. Pro- probably. Yeah. Um, he did a panel at WonderCon this year, and one of the quotes was, it took me 10 years to be an overnight success. And I think that a lot of folks lose sight of that. Every band that's a, that's like, where did these people come from? Every celebrity with 500,000 Twitter followers, every brand that you hadn't heard of until they were featured on Ellen, right, took 10 years to get there, five years to get there, 80 hours a week to get there. And so just keep hammering away at it. Um, you're going to need to get lucky. I'm not going to lie to you. You're yeah. going to need to get some breaks. I feel like and that is a huge factor that people don't realize. Like, absolutely. Luck is a huge thing for it. Luck is a huge factor. And I'm sorry. It sucks. But that's a fact of what it is, right? Like, I'm in Los Angeles trying to make voice acting work, work right? Who knows? I'm going to need to get lucky in order for that to be a thing that actually rocket propels me. I can make a living, uh, you know, I can, yeah. I can pay my bills, but in order to, to reach, you know, Nolan North status, I'm going to have to get lucky. Um, yep. and that, and the same thing with YouTube and the same thing with any kind of content creation, you're going to have to get a little lucky. Um, I'm yeah. not a great, uh, uh, model to ask about this because I, rode my own coattails essentially into magic bikes <laughs> like i sort of yeah. i i was like super grouped i was already well known before magic mics i already had 5000 twitter followers or whatever yeah. and then magic mics added to that later but i was already there with that kind of content creation and so there's some projects like that that exist if you're already there but magic mics isn't a great uh um, planning starting point Stuff like stuff like the In Contention podcast is a lot better uh, if you're looking at like what I've made. uh, The Newsening is another great place to start for stuff like like what from from my background specifically. So, you know, find something unique and work towards it and put yourself out there. Self-marketing is huge, by the way. Like only half of the battle is the stuff you make. The rest of it is making sure it gets seen. That that's or, probably one of the hardest parts. It's it's impossibly hard because you're like, hey, look at this thing I made. But Crickets, but you right? don't want to like tell. It, it, it's a weird battle because you want people to see your stuff, but it's also you don't want to come across as, hey, look at this thing thing I made, and then just leave. You want to come right. across as genuine, and that's it, that's actually a really good suggestion I have here, everyone. Be shameless in your self promotion. Promote yourself to the point that you think you might be annoying. Until someone tells you, hey, cool it. Yeah, that's Once you've reached it. that point, that's where the bar is. But until someone reaches out to you and says, <laughs> you may be yourself promoting too much, then you should be posting on your Facebook, asking your friends to, to you know, tweet about it, for example. Maybe di- don't direct message your friends, like don't do that. But post about it on your Instagram every day. Post about it on your on your Twitter every day. Ask if people have seen it. Um, you know, definitely promote yourself. Don't be shameful or don't be shamed 
by the, the notion that what you have made will bother other people. Yeah, the, the only caveat I have to add to that is also be genuine, too. Don't oh, just sure. post your post stuff and then never interact or anything. It's Correct. Post yeah. your stuff, but also interact with other people, too, to show that, hey, this is a human being and not an auto Twitter message or an auto Instagram message, too. You know, to show that people like, hey, OK, yeah, Ruben's cool or, you know, Zuby's cool. Let's follow them more and yeah. stuff like that. The the other um thing I wanted to. Oh, shoot. What, what did I want to mention with content creation? Um, Yeah. Talking about the other side of content creation. The um, yeah, luck does play a huge factor in a lot of it. Um, And there was one other thing I was going to mention. Um, I don't remember now, Um, but yeah. It's um like you said, luck is a huge thing with it, and um oh that's right. So one of the other thing, one of my favorite quotes is from Captain Picard from Star Trek Next Gen is essentially where you could do everything right, you can do everything right in terms of content creation, self promoting, marketing, mm-hmm. and all that, and still fail, and still lose, yep. and still lose, still fail, and that has happened to me. I'm sure that's happened to you in some form or shape of fashion. Oh for sure, and it's it's something that's gonna happen, and it's. I can't tell you people who have listened to my show have known like the struggles I've gone through with my family and myself personally, like my mental health and having to deal with what happened with my daughter last year as well, too, has Mm. been extremely taxing and straining. I've taken multiple breaks from the podcast and I thought I was done for sure this year. I thought I was done with the podcast for sure. Um, Come to find out, I just really needed a longer break away from it to realize okay i miss it but now i'm gonna just sort of i'm just gonna instead of appeasing what i think the crowd wants i'm gonna appease myself that i'm gonna make something that i'm proud to make more of that i know i would listen to myself Mm -hmm. you know and i've gotten a lot of good feedback from that and it's 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 tough it's hard right it's you're not gonna like you said takes 10 years to become an overnight success and what what is success for you too that's something that other people need to determine and figure out is it making a living off content creation i mean that's right exactly what's your that's the other thing is what's your goal yeah um you know i think that a lot of people go into content creation and say i want to make this full-time uh, I don't want it to be full time. Oh this hell point. no, nope. Right. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people do see like Wedge from the Mana Source or Tolarian Community College, and are like, I want that. That's for me. But the like, what you don't see is the hours and like stubby nails and you know uh, like bleeding fingertips from the hours and hours and hours of work that you have to put in. Not just to make something that looks that good, but to get it produced to the point that you're proud of it and then seen by that many eyeballs. It is so much work. So oh, yeah. is it a hobby? Are you hoping to get a little bit of money out of it? Like where where do you want to be? For me, Magic Mike's is exactly where I like it. Like I love the level that I'm at with the success of Magic Mike's. Um, the amount of effort I put in is I think worth the uh, uh, the, the, the reward that I get out of it. Um, I get to do awesome shows like this. I get to have a little bit of extra walking around money. Um, and I, it doesn't take over my life. So what do you want out of content creation is the other thing. Yeah. And it's something that everybody needs to ask themselves. And it's, um, right. and it, are you willing to put in the literal years of work to get there? <laughs> Cause it's going to take a minute 
Yeah, yeah, it's um something that I that happened to me was so last year um was probably my biggest year in terms of my Magic Wazubi podcast where I was doing the spell singing with Channel Fireball at three different events. Um, you know, Channel Fireball was promoting me at their GPs and all that. Um, and then my downloads were off the chain last year. And then something happened to where it was like, especially at the beginning of this year, my downloads just freaking dipped hard and all like my stats and all that were dipped hard. And, and that was really hard to take. Because you're just like, what am I doing wrong? I'm not changing anything what I'm doing. And then all of a sure. sudden you're just seeing the numbers just go, Ooh, take a deep dive. And you're like, whoa, did I piss off someone <laughs> or did I say something wrong? And that's something that's also really hard. And that's sort of like another part of the journey of content creation is when you see yourself just, oh, I'm, I'm fading. What do I do? And that's where it's really important to step back. And like we're saying is find out why you're doing this. You know? Right. I mean, have you come across that yourself where, you know, you find you've whatever show you may have been doing, whether it's Magic Mics or the other podcasts you've done or articles where you just see this dip and just views or numbers and you're just like, sure. whoa, what, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, well, th there's a couple things here. Uh, Magic Mics's numbers uh, go down in the summer. Like that just is a thing that happens. Yeah. Like I think everybody's numbers go down in the summer because yeah, yeah I've noticed that trend because it's nice out and people go outside, right? Like except Florida. Well, sure. <laughs> people just the numbers go down in the summer. That's just a fact of life. You're gonna you're gonna see a dip in Patreon. You're gonna see a dip in Twitch. You're gonna see a dip in YouTube because people are on vacation. Uh, they're they're all they're going on trips with their kids. They're, you know, spending money do on other things. It mm -hmm. just that's just a fact of life. You're going to see a dip at the holidays because people are pinching pennies to buy gifts for their family and they're going to pull it out of their Patreon or they're going to pull it out of their subscription. That's just a fact of life. Um, so you have to be able to. Ha it's just like poker. You have to handle the swings, man. Um, and it's going to it's you're depending on a billion variables especially if you're producing content for the internet where you're not just competing with other podcasts, you're competing with Netflix for eyeballs, right? Yeah. Like you're competing with Spotify for their ear holes. So they've got so many options, not to mention just, just endlessly scrolling on Facebook. So there's just so much competition <laughs> for your attention and your energy and your time. You're going to have swings. You know, you're going to have big proponents of your podcast that six months later aren't there anymore. We had a super fan for the first season of The Broken Pact who, no joke, commissioned art for the characters. That's awesome. To be drawn. Like, set up a fan website. Um, like, did a bunch of cool stuff. Was super invested. Constantly asking questions. Disappeared by the middle of season two. We don't know what happened. Like, but that's not our business either. That's gonna happen. We've had a number of that of those sort of situations happen for Magic Mics, where they come in and they're big proponents and there's like some of the top donors and they buy in at the top Patreon level and they're there every week and they're chatting with us all the time and we're specifically picking their brain for how do we make this better. And then a year later, it's not them anymore. Now, you're going to find some people are there forever and they're going to be at their level forever or they're not. Like... People get fired from their regular jobs, and you can't mm -hmm. help that from happening. If someone who gives you 25 bucks a month on Patreon suddenly gets fired from their awesome job, 
guess what? You're not getting 25 bucks a month anymore from them. And that's not, not your fault. Yeah. That's just the, how the world works. So the best you can do is build a solid foundation and hope for the best because you can't control those outside variables and the mental health of the swings is necessary. You need to acknowledge that it's not all, I mean, obviously there are always things you can improve upon yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're seeing dips in your YouTube numbers and you're like, what am I doing wrong? That's, I'm not sure that that's the right question a hundred percent of the time. Maybe there is something you're doing wrong, but if there's something you're doing wrong, you're not the person to diagnose it. It's someone else. <laughs> yeah. Someone else needs to tell to tell you what am I doing wrong? Like and they need to care enough about whatever you're making to be able to tell you that. So, you know, hopefully you have someone that has the patience yeah. um the respect for you that uh that, that they can help you with that problem. But it's not all your fault. It, as a content creator, you're just going to run into times where you're going to get less views. Some videos are going to get less money. Some videos, you know, some articles are going to get less less clicks. Like, it's just going to happen. Yeah. And I know it feels probably to people who listen to my show, I know it probably feels like a broken wheel here where I'm repeating the same stuff over and over again with content creators. Because that th those are the type of people I enjoy bringing on the most are content creators because I like to pick other people's brains and just see how they act and interact and what their journey has been like through this crazy thing called content creation. And, um, you know, it's it's so I even though a lot of these may be some of the same answers, but said differently, it's, I still enjoy hearing it because, you know, I, I'm going to take what you said and maybe apply it to something that I'm going to be doing and, or vice versa. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it, it, it's, it's important for people to hear that, you know, it's because I know a lot of newer content creators. There's the, the hashtag we are MTG and, sure. and there's a lot of people out there that are just trying so hard to make it. And may, maybe they listen to this and they hear this and it helps someone where they're sure. like, hey, you know, OK, maybe instead of just doing nothing but booster pack openings and, you know, maybe I'm going to try something else that defines who I am. Right. But if that's and, what you're passionate about, then do it. Right. Like, well, yeah, step, I, I just step mean one step one <laughs> is find what you're passionate about and do yeah. that. But like, wait, don't, I, don't go for the clicks, because if you well, go for the clicks, you're not living your best. Yeah, life. yeah, yeah. Being passionate about it. And that's what I mean, where instead of just doing booster pack openings where maybe that is your passion. Right. But like like you said earlier, it's like pour yourself into that. Put your right. personality into that. Right. Exactly. Don't just be like, oh, hey, let's I'm going to open up and oh, it's a foil, you know, Mox right. Mox Ruby or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um. So and, and that's one of the things that I've always tried to stress out to people is, you know, see what other people are doing. Right. Just see, just see what other content's out there. Take the foundation of that and put your own spin on it. Right. Something that could right. be say, hey, this is the Zuby way of doing it. This is the Ruben way of doing it, you know, and people will like it or not. You know what? One of my one of my favorite episodes I did for this show is the worst episode ever in terms of downloads and i enjoyed the hell out of it so it was um 
Yep. And, and it was a uh, sort of an Ixalan preview episode, and I did the whole episode where I was interacting as the Star Trek original series crew. Like we had just come across this strange plane of Ixalan, and we had to describe what we're seeing. And sure, <laughs> that it is like a narrow audience. It is. It did so terrible, but it was the most fun I ever had, and it was um. And when I used to do stand up, <laughs> I used to tell jokes that got no laughs, but they were for me. Like these jokes yeah. are just for me because they make me <laughs> laugh. I'll get back to the jokes that everybody likes, but this yeah. joke is funny to me. And that's yeah. very similar to what you're mentioning. Yeah. So, uh, so you did stand up before too? I used to do stand up. Yeah. In college. So were you successful at all in it? Or, or I, I mean... was, I was very good at stand up comedy um, to the point where I briefly considered making it a career. Um, I was making some money at it. I had one of, if not the most popular open mics in Ohio while I was in college. We had like 70 people a week show up to watch stand-up comedy. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, and uh, I made the semifinals of the Jimmy Kimmel College Comedy Tour. Oh, um, shit. Of which 1,000 comedians entered, and I made the top 25. Uh, and Dude, the top that's pretty, five, impre- that, that's pretty and impressive. The top five got flown out to L.A., um, so I didn't quite get there, but, that's still uh, but yeah, I was five out good. of a thousand. I mean, that's right? still really good though. Pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. Um, but then at some point I was like, well, I could be really, really, really good at stand up or mediocre at poker and <laughs> being mediocre at poker made like three times as much money. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. And then, so stand up has kind of fallen by the wayside. Um, it is however, how I know Riley Silverman who is one of my players on The Broken Pact. Uh, we did stand-up comedy in Ohio 15 years, 12 years ago. Um, she still does stand-up uh, and is very successful here in Los Angeles. Um, awesome. Maybe I'll get back into it someday. I don't know. Well, where, where in Ohio were you? So that open mic uh, was called Comedy in the Round in Athens, Ohio, where I went okay. to college. Uh, I knew Riley from the Columbus, Ohio comedy scene um and i uh i i've i've opened for a number of well-known comedians uh in my time um and uh you know medium well-known and some super famous like Um, like who if you don't mind saying so i opened for amy schumer before she was famous before she was famous yeah um i accidentally opened for dave Chappelle. i didn't know i was for dave Chappelle. he just like happened to be at this show and wanted to do stand up, and I I was the last one of the three of us, and so I, like it was supposed to be like five minutes, five minutes, me do fifteen, and then I got off the stage, and the MC was like, "Hey everybody, Dave showed up," and I'm like, "What is happening?" Um, oh, that's awesome. Which is hilarious. Um, and then some some uh, some folks who are famous in the Midwest, um, at least at the time, uh, Demetrius Nicodemus, yeah, was a comedian I opened for. Um, Ron White. I actually forgot that I had to open for Ron White. Oh, once. wow. That, that show did not go well. Uh, <laughs> I do not cross over well with his audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Much, much fun. older audience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so those are, uh, yeah, I like stand up, and I'm very good at it or was very good at it. I'm not anymore. I couldn't it, just get up on stage and start telling jokes, but, uh, yeah, for but me, yeah. everything I understand, it's l- like a muscle. 
because because I love listening to stand up podcasts. You know, Joe Rogan, Burt Kreischer, Bill Burr, and um, and my favorite episodes is always when they have other stand ups because I love hearing the process of how they started and what they did, and it's like it sounds like not a very fun life. Like, oh, for it, sure. like if you want to become famous, you're constantly on the road, um, not making much money at all in the beginning. Correct. And then even the successful folks you see on TV all the time aren't like super rich. Yeah. Like it's it's it is a very small percentage of comedians that can say that they're not just making a living, but comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um and one of the things that I always hear like Joe Rogan brings up is um it's stand-up comedy is a is tough like to stay long at it because you're always having to come up with new material whereas like if you're a band like um yep. what you can the, play the classics forever yeah like the rolling stones oh yeah we can just keep playing the same songs for 50 years you know and as i mentioned earlier it's like not all art is supposed to be <laughs> exactly that's a quote that i always talk about with stand-up because i think it's important that stand-up gets old like i would i you know go back and watch uh, you know, some of my favorite stand-up comedy specials just like aren't funny anymore when I go back and watch them. Oh yeah, like uh, some of them are still good. Some of them hold up, but like, most like some of, of the them, Eddie Murphy ones, th- those still hand up. Eddie Murphy raw holds yeah. up. Delirious yeah. is medium. Yeah, I, I can agree with raw that. Raw holds up. Yeah, raw de- delirious. But like yeah. most of George Carlin's sets don't hold up. Like. Yeah, yeah. I, I love George Carlin. You're not going to find a bigger George Carlin fanboy than me. I, like, they just don't hold up. Yeah, and there's, yeah, for sure. Um, no, and um, shit, who is that? Oh, my God, who's that other comedian? He was, like, freaking ridiculously hot in um, 2004, 2005. And then he, he was, like, a oh, flat. Dane Cook? Yeah, yeah, Dane Cook. Yeah, like, how crazy. Yeah. And then now he's just, like. He, I know he's still touring and all that stuff, yeah. but it's like he has a weird history. You should go Wikipedia yeah, what happened with yeah, him. Yeah, it was his brother, right? Like yeah. bankrupted him or some yeah. shit. Like got control yeah. of his finances. He's got a weird history for sure. Yeah. but I mean, you know, that's gonna happen. Uh, there's there's lots of examples of that throughout history, but it's just like ever. It's just like what we're talking about, though. If you love it, that's the most important thing. And then you gotta get lucky, and then maybe you get famous. Yeah, man. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on here. It's been a blast talking with you about all this stuff. And just thanks again for taking time out of your day to come on. I mean, I know our time difference here is um, not not too bad, but it, it is a bit different. Um, you know, nighttime for me and just evening for you. Um, right. Sun's still out here. Yeah, it's um, I, the sun. No, it's gone for me. <laughs> but um, so obviously, where can people find you if they want to, you know, reach out to you and sure. um Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It was great chatting with you. I hope that something I said has made, and some, my cat made has sense to someone to, uh, and been helpful. Oh, look at there's a kitty. Look at yeah, that. my my cat Arya. She making an appearance. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry about that. No worries. <laughs> Hopefully, something I've said has helped someone out there. And uh, thanks for listening to uh, to the podcast. My name is Ruben Bressler. You can follow me everywhere on the internet at Mox Ruby. That's M O X R E U B Y. Um, please tune in on Wednesday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. That's 5 p.m. Hawaiian for Magic Mics at twitch.tv slash M-A-G-I-C-M-I-C-S. 
You can also find the VODs for that show on CoolStuffInc.com and on YouTube. You can also download the podcast wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh, and you can also consider giving to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Magic Mics, where you get an extra about five to six hours of content every month with our pre-show and post-show unedited, unfiltered content uh, for five bucks a month. Um, which is our biggest selling point for that particular uh, for that particular program. You can also catch me on the Broken Pact, which is the Ravnica show for D and D. You can catch VODs for that on the D and D Twitch and YouTube. That's Twitch.tv and YouTube.com/slash D N D, the letter N and D. Yeah. Uh, news about season three of Ravnica: The Broken Pact coming very soon. Um, Ooh, and you can also tune into twitch.tv slash magic mics for mics and magic premiering next Tuesday, July was it 16th, yeah, 16th, uh, as, as this is being recorded and going every Tuesday thereafter. So please do tune in for that. I believe that that's going to be at four thirty Pacific seven thirty Eastern for three hours. So by the time this podcast does come out, the first episode of Mikes and Magics will have already been out. So if you right. didn't catch the live show, everybody, make sure you go and check out it. You said, can it be found on YouTube? Will it be found on cool it'll be stuff on, as it'll well? It'll be everywhere you can find Magic Mike stuff. Okay, so you can go okay, to cool. twitch.tv VODs. You can go to YouTube and it'll also be available as a podcast. Okay, awesome, awesome. Just wanted to make sure. Um, is there anything else? No, that's about it. Thanks okay. for uh, for hanging out, everybody. Uh, if you have any questions, you can always tweet at me. Um, I'm very extremely online, um, so you know, tweet at me at on, on at my Twitter or you know, message me on my Instagram or my Facebook or any of that kind of good stuff. All right, we're great. Well, I just want to thank you again for coming on and taking time out of your day. I really appreciate it. And um, I will have to schedule with you with the RPG Companion podcast. We're gonna dive deep into D&D and I want to pick your brain DM Perfect. to DM about just stuff that comes up as DMs often do come across. So that, that'll be great. coming at a later date and um, we will see you then. All right. Well, have a great night, everybody. Hey, everybody. Really hope you enjoyed that interview with myself and Ruben Bressler. I had a really great time having him on and just want to say thank you again for coming on to the show. Um, was really cool and look forward to the future RPG Companion episode podcast for us to be actually DMing or, or talking about DMing and D and D and as my cat meows on the background. Um, but anyways, it's, it was a lot of fun and thank you all for watching. Um, uh, magic Azubi can be found on the following on iTunes, Google play, Stitcher, and tune in radio. Uh, you can reach magic Wazubi on facebook.com slash magic Wazubi on Facebook or Twitter, magic Wazubi on Instagram at magic underscore with underscore Zuby. And you can email me with any questions you may have at MTG at gmail.com. And if you want to help support the show in any way, you can check out the Patreon at Patreon dot com slash magic wazubi thank you again and have a great night